Good afternoon and welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by our full complement of two ads, a Micah, Gina, and myself, Steve, and streaming on Facebook Live. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Hello, guys. Hi, everyone. Good to see everybody. Um, I want to start off with guns for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, this fake news that there was a mass shooting not in the United States. And we all know that can't be because it only happens in the United States. So hopefully we can clarify how that could have happened. That was in Copenhagen. And then I saw a story out of New York City a couple of days ago that the mayor of New York City is praising an off-duty corrections officer for pulling out a gun and stopping a mass shooting in Jamaica, which is part of Queens, not the island. And that's kind of spinning my head because I think this is the same city that absolutely prohibits guns and says you don't need guns to protect yourself and guns only cause trouble. So that's got me extremely confused. And I just want to mention, um, just to push our sponsor, Liberty Block wrote an article in February of 2019, which is almost three and a half years ago, claiming that any victory, so to speak, in SCOTUS against New York and its gun laws would be absolutely meaningless. At the time, I thought maybe he went a little bit overboard, but I think it's pretty clear right now that New York has absolutely no intention whatsoever of giving a hoot what the Supreme Court said. So I will throw all that out yeah. there and you guys can chime in. Same, same for the governor of New Jersey. Right. You want to tell you want to talk about what he did? I have a story, but maybe you're more up on, on what Murphy did. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I have any total specifics, but clearly, I mean, about a week or so ago, they were talking about making gun-free zones in, in hospitals and other public places. Um, but I'm sure they have more in the queue in terms of what they want so the, to do. The story I'm looking at said he signed a gun safety package 3.0, creating a database of ah. ammo sold in the state. Yeah. Hard, the, hard to um, keep up. The case isn't quite over yet. I mean, if you read the decision, basically the uh, appeals court, I forget, first or second or whatever, uh, uh, ruled in favor of the New York you know, restrictive law and went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court uh, set out the things and ruled that the appeals court had uh, was wrong and told them you know, the principles upon which to rule and then remanded it back to the appeals court for a ruling consistent with the Supreme Court's ruling. That has not yet happened yet. Usually people uh, just think it's over when the Supreme Court does their thing. And for the Roe decision, you know, the Dobbs versus Jackson, it was over um, because they were basically overruling themselves. But for this, we're going to have to wait until the appeals court sort of tells the state what to do. And I'm not sure that the appeals court will, you know, I, th I think it might come back to the Supreme Court again. In another uh, 10 years and another hundred million dollars, a Maryland supposedly at least officially took a few words out of its law to comply with the Supreme Court. And as I shared the article with you from Daniel Horowitz from Conservative Review, the difference between rulings that go the way the left wants them to go, which are applied within 30 seconds at the point of a gun, Yep. People get jailed for not complying with. Talk about that poor lady, what was that in Kentucky, who didn't want to uh, give out gay marriage licenses in 10 seconds. And then the decisions that they don't like, which basically they say, 
Heck no. And there's nothing anybody can or will do anything about it. Yeah, I'm, fair, I'm following Maryland uh, quite closely because obviously my parents live in, or my mom lives in uh, Pennsylvania, and, and Maryland is the only stumbling block between Pennsylvania and Florida that I can't carry because uh, I have carry permits or valid carry permits for every other, every other state. So um, I am following Maryland quite closely. Um, there was a woman uh, in New Jersey. It was a very famous case. She accidentally got on the bridge from Philadelphia to, um, to New Jersey, the Ben Franklin Bridge. And uh, for whatever reason, she was pulled over on the Jersey side before she could figure out how to get back to Pennsylvania. Um, she had a firearm on her and was arrested um, for breaking the onerous New Jersey firearms laws. And this this case went forever. And eventually, I think it was um, because of a lot of uh, pressure and a lot of um, pressure from the NRA back when the NRA was, was powerful and from other groups, it, it was eventually dropped because it was so clearly and obviously a mistake on her part. Um, it was a black woman, right? I yeah, black woman, I, right. I think I know I who you're actually talking about. Yeah, I, I forget her name, unfortunately, but... Um, but that's how it is. I mean, you, you go into these states and they, for whatever reason, will nail you. I mean, there's people who uh, who's, who are flying through like Newark uh, or um, or JFK, um, whose connecting flight was canceled or, or whatever. And so they, they got their luggage. Inside their luggage was a firearm. Of course, they had to declare it before they got on the plane. Um, and it was supposed to be checked all the way through the destination, but because of the uh, flight cancellation, it was delivered via baggage claim, and then they were immediately arrested for possessing a firearm in New York. Now, that, of course, is exactly uh, contrary to federal law on the subject, um, which allows people to, uh, you know, travel with firearms, um, but it doesn't matter to the people in New York, and it doesn't matter to the people in New Jersey. Um, so I, I don't ever believe we are going to um, ever win this in those states. Uh, 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 but I, I think Maryland might be might be something. So I believe the person I just threw it in the chat was Shanine Allen, and it right. rang a bell because I believe I am Facebook friends with her. But <laughs> oh, good. Well, she she's a, a very brave woman, and I, she's the Rosa Parks of the of the uh, firearms generation. And I really do appreciate everything she yeah. went through. Well, listen, I, I, gonna... I mean, at, at least at least the liberals can point to some successes with their gun control efforts. I mean, obviously we have Chicago where now there's never any shootings. And, and just like last week in Newark when nine people were shot at, at a drive-by, luckily it would have only been worse if New Jersey didn't have the strict gun. Well, the weird thing about this guy who just shot up this, uh, uh, fourth of july celebration in uh you know in in illinois which was just awful um is he he got all his guns legally he was known uh by the police as someone who was mentally ill crazy had violent social media posts um and uh and his father signed off on his illinois firearms ownership identification card saying that uh, he, the father, would be responsible for all any and all liability that came from this insane son. And everyone knew he was insane. His parents knew he was insane. The school knew he was insane. Everybody knew he was insane. The father signed off on this FOID application saying he was going to be responsible. 
So let's see what happens. Let's see what they do to the father who um, signed off on this. Are they going to arrest him? I assume means monetarily. No, if he's liable, he's liable, man. He gets murder one. You Um, can sign that away? I assume so. I mean, the kid will get murder one as well, but the uh, father will. I mean, that's the thing. Are you with us? I am with you guys. Is it possible to assume responsibility for someone else's criminal act in which you did not participate? Wouldn't it be the same as they're charging the parents in Michigan? Well, sure. No, we're talking because he signed the paper saying, I will be responsible. Well, I don't know about signing a paper that you're responsible, but I mean, conspiracy works that way. You know, I mean, if you if you sit down in, in a group and you agree, you know, I'm going to be the getaway driver and, you know, you guys go in and rob the bank and you go and kill someone. I may not have had a gun. I may not have ever known there was a gun, but I'm still responsible for the fact that you killed somebody. Right. No, I'm not talking about the conspiracy aspect, which is a different issue. But is there such a thing as I could sign a paper saying I'd be responsible and then criminal laws could be um, attached to me in some way? Because that sounds kind of weird. It sounds kind of weird to me. Uh, the only analog I can think of is when immigrants come into the country and they're required and they're required to have a sponsor who takes responsibility for them. Um, what are you guys showing me on the screen here? I, I'm just showing you the part of the it's damages. Uh, I'm correct, isn't it? Damages are, are, are oh liable for any damages resulting from the minor applicant's use of firearms or fire damages, not criminally. Not criminally, yeah. So, but I think the father's in serious trouble, to be honest. <laughs> it will it will all depend on which side of the fence he's on etc and, and yet all these gun control laws um that they have that are supposed to like oh we'll have all these things to prevent these shootings and none of them ever work you know none of them ever work well if there was ever I, a red flag this one was it enough. yeah i want to take a steve i want to just take the opposite side of your initial comment unlike i think I guess all four of you guys, I I don't object to what the left is doing to resist the Supreme Court rulings. I think it should be taken as a roadmap for our side. The courts, the courts don't have, you know, what what was it in the in, in the Federalist Papers? Force nor will. Uh, Andrew Jackson said, you know, the courts have made their ruling. Now let them enforce it. Uh, I, I think. I think that our side would do well to to learn from what they're doing instead of just whining and bitching and moaning. I mean, yeah, but you know, Ed, Ed Powell, you and I talked earlier this week about um, uh, you know the Arizona immigration decision. It would have been nice if the Arizona governor had said, "Okay, well, your opinion is very nice, too god, too bad, and we're going to continue enforcing our law and we're going to continue making sure that the people of Arizona are safe." And if the federal government wants to arrest the entire Arizona police force and government, let them go and try and do that. But we're going to protect our people and that's it. And that's really all Kathy Hockle and Phil Murphy and and all these other Democrats are doing. Now, I don't agree with them. I don't agree with their understanding of of what the Constitution, I shouldn't say the Constitution. I don't agree with their decision as to what wise law is. I think concealed carry is good law and smart law. Um, But I don't agree with I agree with federalism. And even when I think states are doing the wrong thing, even when I think they're doing stupid things, uh, I think that they should, we should let New York have gun control if that's what they want. Uh, I don't agree with it. I don't like it, but um, 
if you want to live in a free country and you want to be able to make laws in your own state that protect you the way you want to be protected, you've got to respect other states doing the same thing. I, I mean, I, I certainly agree with the with the idea behind that. But let's just take for an example the fact that many states um, coddle criminal gangs. And, uh, you know, so if, uh, you know, say Arizona doesn't want to coddle criminal gangs, um, but the criminal gangs go back and forth uh, from Arizona, not from Mexico, but from California. And California refuses to extradite people because extradition is racist. Um, what do you do? Right. I mean, do you, see, that that's the thing that the only solution then is secession and set up border check, border checkpoints. I mean, that's the only, you know, so federalism is OK if we agree on those things that are under the control of the federal government. And those things that are not under the control of the federal government, whether it's the original constitution or whether it's the constitution in the minds of the justices now, when you don't, when you when you fundamentally don't agree, it'll just spiral out of control. And that's what we're seeing what's happening. I mean, I understand where you're going, but again, I just disagree. These leftist states, these blue states that that would, you know, bitch and moan and try and protect and coddle their criminals. They're the same ones that set up border checkpoints during covid to see who was coming in and who wasn't. And, and they got away with it. All we did was whine and bitch and moan. And, you know, instead of bitching and moaning, we would do better to just take action. You know, I mean, there's an old saying that it's, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And, you know, I don't see why our side doesn't understand that. But and I think a lot of people would agree with you if we were going in both directions equally. It's because it quite obviously doesn't, that it's so infuriating. Well, yeah, I mean, if 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 we had a violates agreement a, with the other side that they would stop doing it, okay, I'm not saying I wouldn't that I I wouldn't like that gentleman's agreement, but we don't have it. And instead of bitching and moaning that we don't have it, you got to fight. You got to do what you got to do, which we're never going to do. But what what are the rules of the game? Are the rules of the game that SCOTUS's laws are inviolate? You know, straight from God at Sinai. Like they say when they get a decision like Obergefell, or is the Supreme Court to be ignored and even threatened like when they don't get their decision? What are the rules of the game? And how do you play a game when there are no rules? And I see, that's an issue. Obergefell is an interesting issue because obviously it has no basis in the Constitution or law or anything. It was just made up on the spot. But, um, you know, there is this part of the Constitution where the states are required to take um you know, uh, to respect the full faith and credit. Yeah, full faith and credit, other acts of other states. So, you know, that's why I can drive in Maryland when I only have a Virginia driver's license because they respect my driver's license. So what happens when you have a state, you know, like New York that that permits gay marriage and a state like, I don't know, Pennsylvania that doesn't permit gay marriage? The same uh, thing that happens when the state of New York bans guns and the state of Virginia doesn't. And by the way, the same thing that happens when you have age of consent laws that are different in states, and they're still not going to punish you if you came from a state with a different age of consent. That's just the way it is. Okay, I hear you. I, I do think there are problems, though, with some of these. It, it, you know, it, in the old days, in the old days, in the 1770s, you know, 1780s, the, um, the standard person really never left the state they were born in. Um, or, you know, maybe they moved one state forward. Now, um, everybody moves around all the time, you know, and I, I wonder, um, 
you know, like I've lived in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, California, Virginia. Um, I've worked in Florida. Um, you know, there's, there's so much mobility now that if we, if we don't have some sort of national standards for certain things, I, I just don't see how, again, you know, I just don't see how the country won't just fall apart. And maybe that's the right thing, right? Dissolution. Like I, the country uh, so, has fallen apart. Yeah, the country has fallen apart. I mean, but, you know, California, I see, Ed, I agree with you, Ed Maslish. The California should be able to have its gun laws and New York should have its gun laws, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Second Amendment aside and incorporation aside, but it can't go one way. It's ridiculous. But we're the ones who are letting it go one way. Yes, but that is the reality. It's not we, it's our representatives that we keep voting for, um, at Romney's and John McCain's and Cornine's and everybody else, but that is the reality. So, but that means the problem isn't the Kathy Hockles and the Gavin Newsom's and the Phil Murphy's. The problem is the Republican leadership. It's on the Republican side, not the Democrat side. The Democrats are doing, I mean, the Democrats are doing exactly what the framers envisioned that the I'm states, not so sure, I'm not so that the, sure that, that the states would jealously guard their power, right? I mean, that's what the whole separation of power theory so was. I'm sure that if. DeSantis said about the gay, gay marriage decision, absolutely not, that they would not arrest him. Well, you know what? If they want to make war, if they want to create a civil war, then, they, then, then we fight a civil war. I mean, when you look at what they did to the lady in Kentucky, um, in the end, I mean, they just went after her with, with everything they got. And by the way, tell it to the J6ers. When they want to go after people, they go after people. And they're going to because the media is uh, going to be totally happy with it. Let, let's start with Kentucky. Kentucky has been a Republican state. The only reason they were able to go after that woman was because the Republicans in the state caved. So what do you think is going to happen if they arrest DeSantis? What, what do you think he's going to? Who's calling out the National Guard? I haven't played that out, but it's not about the National Guard. It's about whether the whether the whole country just goes into revolt over that. Well, you get a, a writ of mandamus from from some court against a public official on pain of um, on pain of contempt of court for not obeying a judicial ruling. So you'd get some sort of federal judge in Florida. You're going to get that in the blink of an eye, just like you're getting all of Trump's cronies arrested. And you got oh, no, those aren't government officials, though. That's just that's just plain old totalitarianism. No, that's not that. I mean, you can arrest you can arrest anybody who's not a government official for any reason. Where does it say you can't arrest a government official? Well, the government official, uh, it uh, notice how few of them haven't have been arrested. Right. I mean, that's the thing is generally they, speaking, you need an order for from a court to arrest a government. official. You need an order from a court to arrest anybody, don't you? Whether you have an order from the court or not. How are you going to arrest Ron DeSantis? I mean, he's protected by the state police. It's not like he's got, you know, one bodyguard. I mean, are they going to just send in a whole SWAT team and, uh, and shoot a whole I bunch of policemen law, dead? Whether by law or uh, custom in this country, my understanding is the feds always have jurisdictions over the states and they will push it that way. And yes, the state police will melt. And because the media, again, will push it that way. It's just the way it goes. I but I think that. part of the reason it, the way it goes that way is because nobody on our side is willing to stand up and fight. Well, again, the J6ers were willing to stand up and fight. And where are they? They're in solitary confinement for 18 months. 
So who's going to? Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a bet that's a better example. I don't have a good explanation for that other than that the guy who's supposed to be defending them, Donald Trump, has kept his mouth shut except to raise Donald money. Trump's not himself. a defense lawyer, and there's nothing he can do for them. Nothing. Well, there are defense lawyers that are working for him, and they're being hounded. Right, but there's nothing Trump can do for the J Sixers. His mistake was not. Of course, it went the matter. They would have impeached him a fifth time. The, the point is. When they want to go after our side, they have the media and they have the FBI and they will go after our side. They don't care. And I just don't see anybody fighting the feds. How many tens of millions of dollars has Trump raised and how much of it has gone to defending those people, advertising what's going on, informing the American people? And how much, on the other hand, has gone directly into Trump's coffers and his next presidential campaign or whatever else he wants to spend on himself? He is not using his money to, to protect his people that stood up for him. So, I mean, that's that's my thing with the J6 situation. Right. But and, and so let's say that Trump is a bum and that's fine. But nobody else in the Republican Party gives a hoot except for maybe MTG and one or two others. The point is the message is there, like I've said a million times, they will go after anybody on this side of the aisle with full force of the federal government and people know it and no one's going to stand up to it. You know, I look at my friends in New Hampshire, the Crypto Six, who now they finally put out the video of the government raid from last March, I believe it was, March 2021, coming with Bearcats. And I think there were approximately 40 vehicles that smashed the windows of their home because of crypto crimes. They, they have made it very clear that they will go after anybody who opposes them. You know, there's people in New Hampshire that were arrested for picketing Sununu's home, but it's okay to picket and threaten Supreme Court justice's home when it straight up violates a law. The point is they will, there's nothing they won't do. And I think our side knows it. I'm not willing to get arrested. Well, I mean, you probably saw they took away that J6ers military benefits now from his family. They stripped his military benefits um, let's not talk about the due process book that Elliot wrote about has he not been convicted of a crime? How are they taking away his due process, his uh, benefits? But that's the way they do it. So I agree with you. Yes, Trump could be doing something, but so could a lot of other people and nobody really cares. So they may not arrest DeSantis, but I could see them arresting any clerk anywhere in Florida who would refuse to comply with whatever it is they, they feel you should comply. The problem is that the people on our side are far more likely to bitch and moan and whine than they are to actually do anything about at, it. At best. At best. No, 100%. And, and <laughs> there really is no solution to that. The way don't, that we don't yes, have there is. The solution have, is to start acting. We don't have an Antifa mob that somebody pushes a button and they're all out on the streets. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, and why should they change? They crush us in the primaries. Six months before we even know there's a primary. So why should they change? McConnell could be elected another 100 years, as could most of them. So why would they change? Why would they change? Because they love the country and they campaign on loving the country. I don't know. What, why? Three Republicans who love this country? They love themselves first. They don't love well, us. No you're asking me why they would change. I'm not saying that they do, but they don't. I, I would explain why they would. That, that it would be nice. And in the olden days, you know, you were talking before the show about George Washington being a great person. We don't have great people. We have politicians who are in it for themselves and they're not going to stake anything on it. Well, 
you know, in the old days, they would take a, a local official who, for instance, would allow child pornography in the library and they'd tar and feather him, write him out of town on a rail. And was that, quote unquote, legal? No. Was it necessary? Yes. Can we do it today? No. So that's the problem. You know, I mean, we've gotten to the point where we we can't like do anything because the legal system is so completely screwed up for anyone other than the regime. Well, that's all I'm saying. Okay, so you play out Hockle in reverse. Is somebody doing what she's doing after the gay marriage decision? And you think she'd be up there getting accolades on most TV stations? Or do you think she'd be uh, whatever, threatened, arrested or whatnot? So. So, Ed, I don't disagree with you that we should be doing things, but we don't. And we never will. Because like I've said, you know, we talked about it weeks ago as well. The percentage of people who vote in a Republican primary, what did you guys say it is? 10%? Like 10 to 15. Yep, there you go. And that's already the people who made it to the primaries. Most people are crushed way before that by the establishment. Yeah, well, my dad voted uh, Democrat for the first time in 2020, him having died in 2017. Yeah. And... You know, it's really sad. And but multiple my dad, times. My dad has to be dead a lot longer than that before he'll acquiesce. He's dead eight years and I can't see it yet. <laughs> yeah. So that's my gun rant. And it's pretty much the same rant on the abortion thing, except for, you know, the same thing is happening. So several of the states have gotten their judges to allow them to follow the Supreme Court ruling and actually put into effect their trigger laws. But it looks like Kentucky is, their state Supreme Court is still saying no. Now, trigger law sounds very violent. I just want to throw that out. I, I know. Well, are, aren't that? we not supposed to say words like That's that? That's a like, horrible tar- word. Target with a bullseye and all that. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's, it's a very bad, bad imagery. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's called a snapback law. But the point is, again, you have judges who say, well, we don't care what the Supreme Court says. Too bad. Now, all of a sudden, we care about the state constitution. <laughs> and again, listen, you know, the only thing me, they don't care that they're hypocrites in, in, in the Heller decision written by Scalia. Again, I kind of like Scalia, not a perfect person, but the only words anybody's ever heard of of the Heller decision is the dicta about um, and it's and it's pure dicta about sensitive places like courtrooms. That's the only thing everybody ever you ever hear from that uh, decision. None of the whole individual rights, you know, historical, constitutional, constitution protects pre-existing rights going back to the English common law, et cetera. None of that is quoted, but the, of course you can ban guns. Um, it might even have been a footnote, but no, it, it was in the text. It was like insensibly, that's the only one, that's the only thing people pay attention to. And, and it was completely unnecessary by Scalia to write that, just like it was completely unnecessary for the um, uh, for the court in uh, the New York Rifle and Pistol case, uh, which I guess was Thomas, to you know to to echo to echo that. Uh, it, it just it's completely unnecessary, and and they they should have said, you know, I love Thomas too. He's Thomas' greatest living American. Whatever he. Should have said, no law, no law. Where did he find in the Constitution the wording sensitive places? Exactly, exactly. 
Congress shall make no law, period, done, we're finished. In fact, we should repeal every amendment to the constitution except those first four words of the first amendment. Um, <laughs> five words. Well, actually they don't make a lot of laws anymore. No. As we know from last week's show, et cetera, et cetera. But I, you know, I love what New York is doing. Every single place is a sensitive place. Yeah. They put up a sign saying it's not. Or they charge money like, oh, yeah, we can definitely uh, give you a carry permit. That'll be one hundred and forty seven thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it, they don't. And and again, when people tried to do this with abortion, the judges struck that down. Like, I mean, you, the speed of light is not as fast as the judge. You got the Casey standard of undue burden. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I, I don't see any I, I you know i just don't see the courts trying uh, enforcing uh new york rifle and pistol um like they did the roe v wade case in the in the casey versus pennsylvania in, in fact thomas it? pointed out for many years that we had we had like three judicial or four judicial standards you know there's strict scrutiny and intermediate scrutiny and rational basis but the is the like abortion is is permitted everywhere that was the highest level of scrutiny and he was like this doesn't make any sense and like well you know currently uh you know carry outside the home is you you guys said that that was uh what the constitution means of course that's what the words say and we were having this argument the other day that they the libs are terrified absolutely terrified that the courts will interpret the word legislature which is in the constitution as meaning and i'm not making this up legislature that and 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 the worst thing would be if they interpret like section one uh, article one section one you know um all all legislative power uh you know is in the congress i'm paraphrasing um as meaning all legislative power is in the congress i mean they're absolutely terrified that the constitution will be read like as it is written the legislature thing is about voting rights who deter or, or not voting rights about how voting at all who determines like who votes for president and who votes uh and you know and how the districts are organized it's easy it's the doj yeah yeah they the doj it. come on that's right merrick garland and eric holder are and um the other woman who well, actually the, the case involves whether state courts can can determine can override the legislature and they can't obviously and if there's a law passed by the legislature signed by the governor saying that the state's courts can that law is unconstitutional so they can't and it'll be interesting to see what happens next term i don't see why we should have to wait on this for so long that's another thing why are the courts so slow i think they're designed to be slow because they but don't care it's all the money the government no, wastes. It's and not we can't... because they don't care. It's because they're supposed to give thoughtful, reasoned opinions. Oh, and the on. litigants and, are supposed and to we give. We just finished saying when they needed an injunction to get rid of an undue burden on abortion, they responded at 12 30 in the morning in 35 seconds. You know yeah. what? As someone who's written temporary restraining order requests and requ you know, requests for emergency order uh, injunctions, you have to put together a 30 or 40 page brief explaining why it's they should why they should give it why the law requires it why you have likelihood of success on the merits what your irreparable harm and injury is and you've got to explain show yourself me, show me first of all the gun ruling was what last week or two weeks ago 
The abortion ruling was last week or two weeks ago. And in how many states has it been held up already? So you can state or 30, 40 pages, but, well, they but, but these people, but right. But these people were prepared for, they knew okay. they were preparing the legal but judges, but judges rule in five minutes. The judges are not spending six months like they do in the Supreme Court. When they well, a, get an injunction, they give it on the on a temporary restraining order. You're only getting one side of the argument, and you and the judge just has to read a 40 page of brief or a 30 page, whatever it is, and decide. Okay, do I agree with this or not? And he doesn't get competing briefs. He doesn't get competing arguments. He just has to make a decision. Basically, are these people likely to win on the merits? And is there irreparable harm? And, well, there's and also judge shopping, too, which goes on. Anybody, and if they like the case, they will do whatever they feel like it. I have zero respect for the judges, because when judges lose a case in the Supreme Court 9-0 and overturned, do they get less of a salary next year? Do they get a vacation day taken away because they obliterated the Constitution? Heck no. Judges can do anything they want or nothing period. They are absolutely 100% unaccountable to people or to the other judges. Remember when President Trump like tried to stop uh, people from coming into the country? And it did cause a kind of chaos. But on the other hand, the judges, like five judges declared it unconstitutional immediately without you know any thought or deliberation or whatever. Um, and uh, you know we talked about you know what things could happen um, there was a, a there was an executive order by Trump in the very waning days of his term that has since been um, overturned by Biden that allowed Trump to fire um, high level civil servants who make policy, basically. And. Um, and while I think it would be. Potentially disastrous in the short run to repeal the Civil Service Act and allow them to fire anybody. I do think the whole, I, I think that idea of being able to uh, fire high level civil servants who make policy is was a step in the right direction. It was just, you know, four years too late from the standpoint of President Trump, um, because they, th there has to be some fear put in to the hearts of the civil servants. Yeah. And the other thing is, you, you know, the, they, they've got to start impeaching judges for, I mean, this, uh, uh, the, the judge shopping that goes on, which the right is learning to do, right? The right is finally learning these rules, right? They do judge shopping in Texas now for certain conservative um, issues, whereas like the Obergefell started, you know, there was a gay activist and he got appointed to the bench by uh, Obama, or I, Clinton or Obama. And then they, they figured out a way to get him, you know, you're not supposed to figure out, you're not supposed to be able to choose the judge, but they figured out to get him and he made all the ruling of fact None of it's not in the California case. Yeah, California, San Francisco. So all the all the findings of fact in the Obergefell case, none of which was fact, um, were found by this leftist uh, gay agitator judge. And then all the appeals courts, you know, the, you, the way the system set up, you can't you can't introduce any more facts. You can only argue about You're bound the by the record below. Yeah, right. So um, I got to so, say, though, Ed, I am 100 percent in disagreement. I think the, the with the your statement about the civil service reform uh-huh i think we talked about it when you weren't here a week or two ago i think that's one of the best reforms that could happen whatever mm -hmm. chaos might ensue initially they all need to be in fear of their jobs and they all need to know that 
at the turn of the next administration, they might be looking for a job in the private sector. So they better not just hamstring and, and tie, the, tie the hands of all the private sector companies. Yeah. It, it's not just at the federal level. And you'll remember this when Chris Christie took over. That, that should have been the, one of the first things he did was totally cut thousands of people out of the public sector workforce in New Jersey. But he didn't have the guts to do it. Or if he couldn't fire them, he should have just sent them to a rubber room. We'll pay yeah. you and you do nothing. He yeah, would, I would. I would really agree with that. I mean, I mean he, the, was, he was a hero in some ways at the time when he first came to office, but that would have really made him a hero. I, I, you know, a lot of these um, agencies, including the Department of Defense, I suppose, are, uh, if not controlled, at least, you know, greatly influenced by these private contractors. Right. And so that, you know, Big Pharma owns the CDC and the FDA. That's in the news. Um, I, I don't 100 percent know how to deal. I mean, obviously, I, I, we all know what to do. Like we should abolish the FDA and the CDC, right? Yeah. But, you know, as, as a sort of a half step or an interim step, I don't know what you can do about that, you know, because anybody you would put in there would be a handmaiden to the uh, big pharma anyway, just taking that as an example. Anybody, I mean, the Secretary of Defense currently is a Raytheon guy. And um, what do you, you know, how, how do you do that? How do you put someone in the secretary of defense role who, who isn't, uh, you know, by that time captive to some sort of uh, defense contractor? Just another I, way the Republican yeah. Party is not serious. Every time they take power and they have a chance to, you know, really rein in government, downside government, get rid of some of these departments to fund the hell out of them, they don't do it. Yeah. They can't I mean, even defund uh, NPR. For well, why would they defund something that launders money to their campaign? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> And now that we're helicoptering money to everybody, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't see why we should keep, you know, why we shouldn't just pay these people to do nothing. You know, I, I really don't because that nothing they do, you know, obviously there's a war on in Ukraine and that has some sort of effect on NATO, which we are a member of. And China is saber rattling in um, the Pacific, flying uh, fighters and bombers over Taiwanese airspace and ships and submarines and whatnot. So you'd think people in the Department of Defense would be motivated with some sense of urgency to do their jobs. And some are. Most aren't. Most are just, it's a job. Well, and if they, if they knew that they, could, that they could and would lose their job when the next administration comes in, they might be a little more motivated to do their yeah, job. Yeah, right. maybe. And right now, they only lose their job if they're not woke enough. Right. In the, in the oh, no, I, I know a person in the Defense Department I, who is a friend of mine. He said that it, a, a guy, um, he was put into a managerial position and there was a person who worked for him who had been in that job uh, for a long time, but had not actually shown up for work for three years and he was still paid. And he, this, my friend, um, went to great lengths to try to fire him, took him over a year. He had to go to court. He had to make all these appearances. He had to write all this paper. The guy literally did not show up for work for three years. And it took a full year, including court, to get rid of the guy, uh, which they finally uh, did. And the, the first thing that my friend did um, after he succeeded in this is, is uh, got out of a managerial position because he didn't want it anymore. Because it like sucked up firing this guy who did no work for three years, took up all forget, of his time. Forget about major policy level people. What is the argument for a government job being more secure than a private sector job? I mean, if, if a private sector person can be fired at will, why can't 
some yeah. secretary at the Department of Education. Yeah, in the but, old yeah. days, this is not true anymore. In the old days, it was like you will accept less money than your private sector counterpart, but you will get job security. That was the plan. Now they get not only they get more money, they get inexcellent pensions, and um, you know all sorts of uh, benefits that the private sector is doing away with. And so now that argument is no longer in place, right? So it's- Well, yet you have a lot of them the, that are the, they're unionized, right? I mean- And what's the, purpose of, what's the purpose of that agreement in the first place? Why do they need job security? Are they doing nefarious things? I mean, why do they need job security more than somebody working at Raytheon or whatever? Because, of the, because, because the spoil system really did lead to chaos in the departments. Even the departments that- we might agree. Maybe that's a reason to, to reduce the departments instead of to entrench them. Right. Yeah. I mean, we all agree Department of Energy, Department of Education, all that. But I mean, you know, there is some, the War Department was real. The, you know, the Attorney General's office was real. Um, and it just, the spoil system, you know, everybody's fired on, you know, March 3rd back in the day, but January 20th now. Um, and like, I swear to God, even the fact, like the Defense Department, which I have some, uh, uh, you know, experience with the, you know, the, all the political appointees resign on January 20th. And it may be a year, it may be two years before the chain of command of our organization, of our organization, all the way up to SecDef gets appointed and approved by the Senate and it, in place. And then it takes another year to get their policies in place if they want to change it. So now we're three years into a four year uh thing and we and we don't even and and we're just starting to implement the policies of the new chain of command and it's just insanity i mean it's insanity you, nobody can do business like that and certainly the defense department um you know is failing up and down um because of these you know the, this this you know personnel craziness and these are just the political pointies. All the rest of the people are, you know, stay. Imagine if everybody went, that would be just the end of the world. And you're talking about change in the civil service laws, right? But what, about, again, what about all these unions? I mean, there shouldn't, there shouldn't be any public sector unions. I mean, period. The, period. the whole yeah. purpose of a the union whole purpose of, yeah, was to negotiate with your employer for fair wages. And, well, and to be more, more specific, it was to fight against the rapacious capitalists yeah. who would hold your wages down. Right. If you're dealing with government employees, there is absolutely no reason yeah. for a union. And who, who are they negotiating? said the same thing. Who are they negotiating against? A taxpayer? Doesn't make any sense. Well, it makes perfect sense. It's another money laundering scheme well, for the I, Democrat I Party. That, but I'm saying the whole, the whole idea of it doesn't make any sense, obviously. You know, and then the, especially at the state level, you're dealing with the teachers union, there's other worker unions and they're all, they're all getting their fat pension. They line the pockets of the politicians and they pay, they end up voting to give them more benefits. I mean, the, the yeah. you know what hasn't hit the fan just yet on a lot of these pension issues across these states either. It's just. <laughs> well, we are going to a, some sort of currency crisis, right? Because um, if the government were to stop printing money today, if the Fed were to stop printing money today, which means the government stopped borrowing additional money today, which means the budget be cut by over a trillion dollars today, maybe we could get out of this without some sort of runaway uh, currency crisis, inflation currency crisis. But 
if they're if they have to inflate the currency by a trillion dollars or more a year just to maintain our current you know um just to maintain our current you know spending levels which you know and then i don't i don't know what's going on i, I think we're we're in a heap heap big trouble add a major war to that and you've got a uh, you know, potential for regime change here. And that could be the regime change for better or for worse. And, but, I, you know, I wouldn't bet on better. Folks, I just want well, to mention the have... related to abortion in Google. I don't know if you had a chance to see it, that Google's going to automatically delete location data on people who have abortions. Why are they tracking my location in the first place? Well, just like we track every phone that you Google runs. You get permission when you buy your phone or when you brush your teeth in the morning. But it's just hysterical how, again, they can react to protect the things that they want to protect. And all of a sudden, there's this great technological solution to protect the side they want to protect. So. The best thing that DeSantis has done really was the removing of the special privileges from Disney after Disney went after the Don't Say Gay Bill or whatever it's called, parental rights and education bill. And that was like, oh no, we're gonna, we're gonna fight back. And, and that's the best thing anyone's ever done because everyone has always caved to these corporations. And DeSantis is like, no, no, we're not gonna cave all these special- By the way, it kind of proves Ed Maslish's point that if yeah. Republicans were to wake up and fight, it may actually help somebody. Yeah, and if you, if you just generalize that to Every corporation, I mean, you know, take away, not just take away all their privileges. We're beyond that. We're like crush them, you know? Um, so I, I think that, I think the woke corporations would, you know, shut up. And, you know, the banking sector is, is the fountainhead of all of this um, because they don't allow um, corporations to, uh, you know, use MasterCard or Visa or payment processing um, unless they obey the, you know, ESG BS and, and uh, all of the uh, environmental BS and, and uh, you know, woke BS and just go after them, just go right after them. Um, and, and I don't care what law you use, use the freaking um, antitrust laws for all I care. Just tell them I tell MasterCard in particular, but Visa too. And so we are going to destroy you and I don't care what it does and see how fast they turn around and de-wokeify everything. Um, that's all you need to do. They are pussies. And if you, if you attack them um, and you mean it, then they will fold. Okay, so I'm gonna use your uh, emphatic statement to segue to Holland. Who wants to introduce that story about the crap hitting the fan and everywhere else in Holland? Well, that was brilliant. What? Um, I, it, this doesn't happen in the United States. In the United States... Can you just when, tell everybody what we're talking about? Oh, um, in Holland, farmers sprayed uh, manure all over government buildings using their farm equipment and blocked roads. And you didn't answer my question that I asked you. Isn't that the same as calls to Newcastle? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. <laughs> I said, why is that different than sending coals to Newcastle, sending manure to government buildings? Yes, exactly. Sending coals to Newcastle. Um, it's weird because people complain about the prices in the United States, but there is a very, at a very fundamental level, um, people in the United States realize that prices are determined by supply and demand mostly. You know, obviously there's government interference, but mostly. And so when prices go up, 
like we do. Yeah, we're mad at government, but we don't like do things like that. But there are many countries around the world where the government, its explicit policy is to control prices to keep them down for the people, you know, and there have been riots all over the world that aren't being reported, except, you know, if you look on Telegram, um, Sri Lanka is the worst, but Ecuador and now in Europe about the high cost of um, energy, food. And uh, I, I, I think, you know, everybody knows, I think, in the United States that, you know, Biden is responsible for a lot of the problems that led to the high gas prices. But, um, you know, in our country, the response to that is going to be we're going to vote the Democrats out in November. That's kind of the thing. But in other countries, that's not the well, way. By the way, I think you're the one who mentioned tarring and feathering. Just a little yeah. Well, I mean, that was back in the old, that was good old. That was the good old days. Dump well, the tea in the harbor, tar and feather the. That's what's happening in Holland today. And my understanding is it's happening because the government is actually shutting farmers down because of climate change or something. So it's a very direct, we're going to take away your livelihood. Yeah. And it's it's kind of nice to see a country, especially like Holland, which I always thought of as like a bunch of pacifists, Yeah, you know, actually tarring and feathering politicians in a different way. Well, it's funny, the Yellow Vests protested Macron for every weekend for months and months and months for all of his idiotic policies. And then the French went and reelected him, you know? So it's it's very, and then the yellow vests have kind of fallen apart, although I'm sure they'll get back together again when, once uh, gasoline is much more expensive or they do any of the idiotic I guess the closest thing you've had to Holland was the trucker's convoy thing. Right, in, in Canada. Never anything is strong because they were all threatened with arrest and everything else. So. They did shut down, uh, you know, um, whatever the, capital of Canada is, escapes me. Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa. They did shut down Ottawa. I mean, in America, remember when they even said we're going to go to D.C.? Yeah. They told you not coming near D.C., blah, blah, blah. And they were cowed. There is a substantial, um, you know, I posted this meme to the chat earlier where, you know, the internet consists of, you know, uh, FBI guys pretending to be terrorists and, and, uh, talking to CIA guys who are pretending to sell arms and they probably half the time they arrest each other. But I mean, the, the, it, it's almost impossible to um, formulate an anti-regime um, protest group. Podcast, sure, but a, an actual anti-regime protest group without being thoroughly infiltrated by the feds and, and arrested. Whereas in, I think in other countries, it is possible. I don't think they have such oppressive Gestapo like the United States does. I think you can actually organize a protest in Britain or Holland or Germany or France, whereas in the United States, you cannot you cannot have a protest group, um, an anti-regime protest group, anti-regime, exactly. anti-regime protest group that, you know, anti-uniparty, right, um, protest group. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm really surprised that the, you know, Ron Paul movement back in 2008, 2012 uh, was allowed to grow uh, as big as it was. I mean, I, you know, I have my problems with Ron, Ron Paul, but it was really interesting to, to see a sort of an anti-regime group, uh, obviously nonviolent, uh, grow to that size without being destroyed by the government. But it hasn't been weaponized. It's all been weaponized since Trump, right? Since Trump was the evil, you know, uh, orange Cheeto Hitler. Um, 
that we have to uh, that we have to destroy now that and you know i mean the five of us can talk on a podcast but the moment we say we're going to meet for for dinner with signs you know uh out in north carolina uh, is the, the the time when we all get arrested right That's well in a nutshell you're saying we have less freedom than the western european countries i, I think we have less freedom than russia in a lot of ways um, not that Russia is, uh, we certainly have less freedom than Russia pre-February 24th, but even now, um, you know, uh, it, it, when Russia is much more uh, authoritarian and anti-free speech, I think people, you know, have a lot more freedom to go about their own business than they do in the United States. I think that may be why uh, Laser wants Russia to win in uh, Ukraine. Now, there's a reason he wants Russia to win, if you want to hear it. Yeah. And maybe maybe, you know, differently, but his understanding of the situation is that there was a functioning government in Ukraine that was overthrown through some type of coup. Yeah. A couple of states said, well, that's really nice, but we're not willing to go along with your illegal coup. We're out of here. Ukraine then bombed the crap out of them. And then they went to another country to help them and said, you know, we're having the crap bombed out of them. And another country helped them. And therefore, Russia's more right than Ukraine is. Yeah, I mean, certainly that was my viewpoint. Um, That was my viewpoint, too, um, before the war started. And I I really uh, got um, really delved into it. And I think I I think it's much more nuanced than that. Certainly, Ukraine was not a good actor. And uh, and especially the United States government was not a good actor. Um, On the other hand, the um, so-called breakaway republics were, yeah, nothing of the sort, really. But that's that's a whole different. Zelensky has jailed opponents. He's made opposition illegal. Yeah, yeah. So, is Putin. so neither of them, neither of them are good, right? So why why are we defending them? Why, why are, are they? A, why, why, I, why is the United States them? defending them, or yeah. why are we defending them? Liberty. Why am I defending them, or why is the United States defending? Them? Well, I mean both, honestly. Um, uh, the United States is defending them because they don't want Russian troops on the border of Poland. That's the reason. Um, I disagree. I think that they don't want they don't want Russian troops to find what's in those bio labs. Yeah, I think, that, I think that the I think Ukraine was the little playpen for the, for the left here in America, and they don't want it overtaken. U- Ukraine certainly was a center of corruption center of money laundering corruption um it was the afghanistan of of europe yeah the afghanistan of europe i I think that's true i think that's one of the reasons um but you know you got to understand that the the military industrial complex you know might have completely different interests and desires than the pharma complex that have completely different desires than the you know, Klaus Schwab and his buddy. So it, 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 you know, they all want global governments, right? But they all have different interests. And the military industrial complex really does not want um, Russian troops and missiles on the border of Poland. Uh, and, and Putin has proven that lately by saying that he wants to take back all of the Warsaw Pact countries. So that's, you know, that Putin is just sort of- It's ironic because if we don't want Russian troops on the borders of NATO, by expanding NATO to Finland and Sweden, that's exactly what we're doing. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Do. I mean, I'm not, I'm, and, and Moldova's probably going to join NATO too, by the way. Okay, so we're moving our borders to Russia while we're fighting them, saying we don't want you on our borders. Well, we kept the border, we kept Sweden, uh, NATO kept Sweden and Finland out of NATO. 
they, they tell them, don't ask to join for years when, let's be honest, they really wanted to join until the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So there was a kind of a quid pro quo there that the Russians violated. But if I don't want you living next to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to buy the house next to yours. Well, it depends. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, every, it, it, it doesn't make sense for like, it, it, you know, you'd think it makes plenty of sense to the Germans and the French and the Italians. You know, there, it makes plenty of sense to like buy the house next to the bad guy to prevent more bad guys from buying the house. You mm. know, so, I mean, I, again, this is a very nuanced thing and I don't want to waste time on it. You should do a whole show on Ukraine since they- In 1941, Russia attacked Germany. I'm confused. In 1941, Russia attacked Germany. You know, there's a thesis that why the uh, Germans uh, did so well in the beginning of the war is that Russian, uh, the, is that Stalin had prepositioned so many of his uh, troops and ammunition and whatnot forward because he was intending to attack Germany later in the year and Germany preempted that attack. There's a whole, the whole story of, of that uh, possibility. Um, I've read a couple of books. On it. It's very interesting. Not to mention all the sympathies that the Nazis in Ukraine had for the Nazi party. Well, for Bandera, remember, who fought with the Nazis against Russia and then fought against the Nazis, too. And so he he's considered a he's considered a national hero. I mean, you'd be surprised who's considered a national hero. Right. The, the thing is that, you know, we've gotten into this whole, um, you know, Hitler was the worst person ever to live and you know terrible terrible awful awful person and you've you know at the bottom level of hell there's hitler and all that but the truth of the matter is hitler was just one mass murder among a large number of them and most of the mass murderers have giant statues to them there's a 40 meter statue to genghis khan outside of yulan bator genghis khan was responsible for more individual murders than any person known in human history 80 million people were murdered on the orders of Genghis Khan as he swept from a, uh, from you know eastern asia all the way through i mean that hitler was only responsible for what 10 million murders so i mean it's you know he, he, but and there's a 40 meter statue to him there's the arc de triomphe right in the center of Paris, which is a monument to Napoleon. Well, he, there's another guy who murdered millions of people in Europe. Uh, so, you know, again, Hitler, bad guy, not saying he's a good guy, one of many. And um, it's just our particular situation because our, our parents and our grandparents fought uh, against Hitler where we, um, where we come to think of him as the worst person uh, ever to have lived. But, um, you know, it, it, uh, it's, it's very weird. So Bandera was a Ukrainian patriot. That's what he was. But you, he you, you, I'm sorry, you can't discount, of course, his efforts to exterminate. Well, he allied with the Nazis. the Jews. Yeah, yeah. He allied with the yeah. Nazis to fight the Soviets, and then he fought the Nazis. It's the same with Finland. Finland allied with the Nazis, and we don't make a big deal of the Finns. I mean, right, they were allied because, with the Nazis during the entire war. Because like, Russia like, invaded Finland, and 10 years earlier... Russia, yeah. the Soviet Union had starved the Ukrainians in the Holodomor. Right. So, I mean, the, the, uh, Bandera is not a pro-Nazi uh, guy. I mean, I, yeah, they're all dictators. Fascism was in back then, right? They were all proto-dictators, but, um, you know, I wouldn't call Bandera. Hey, a hey, hey, what did you say just now? What, that fascism was in? Proto-dictators? Proto I object to that. Anyway, go on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah right. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's I, I think it's much more nuanced. I think what's going on in Ukraine than than the 
the story of either the, the left or the right, you know, the right, the right is saying, you know, Putin is based on global homo, so we should back him. And the, uh, and the, you know, the establishment is Putin is the next Hitler, and and we should fight him with everything we have. And I think the story is much more nuanced than that. But it would re require alcohol, sitting down with lasers to sort of discuss well, it. Our our friend Daniel Rice says maybe Biden approved the Russian gas deal in exchange for Russia going in to destroy evidence in Ukraine. What do you think? Uh. Oh, <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> you can check the chat. Maybe Biden approved the Russian gas deal in exchange for Russia going in to destroy evidence in Ukraine. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's one way of liberating, you know, the part of, uh, of Luhansk, which was controlled by the Ukrainians, which was claimed by Russia. Um, and that, the, uh, that, you know, proves how much you want to liberate. It, and that is to destroy every single building and every single road and every single railroad and every single and make every single person leave it, which is what Putin's strategy has been. So, I mean, if that's liberation, then, um, you know, I mean that, you know, even the United States is at worst has never liberated anybody like uh, Putin has liberated the, the, you know, unoccupied parts or the occupied parts of Luhansk because he's basically flattened the entire part of it into a parking lot, which makes me think maybe liberation is not the goal. That, uh, hey, just me. So. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out who's rebuilding this. I don't know. We are. Well, I, I think the Europeans have pledged to rebuild uh, Ukrainian cities in partnership with the Ukrainian government, but nobody's America, going to rebuild America is a world sucker. Do you think America is going to rebuild it? I mean, if Russia owns it, we're not going to be sending. No, they're not. The United States is not going to send money to uh, the Luhansk People's Republic or Luhansk Oblast of the Russian Federation to rebuild all of the, yeah, the three quarters of Luhansk that the Russians destroyed. If Russia keeps it, I don't understand what they're thinking. Are they just going to leave it devastated? Well, I mean, I think there's a, a certain truth to the original thing, like the coup in 2014, which was supported by the West, and the, the Russians having a, a you know historical, linguistic, and eth ethnographic kinship with the people in the East. The fact that the East is highly was highly industrial, and so it had valuable factories and oil, and what all of which is gone now, right? Because it's all been destroyed. Um, so all those factories that the Russians wanted, they're, they're, none of them exist anymore. And um, I, so I think, I think that was kind of the motivation. But when it got to, you know, like when they weren't winning and they had to pull out from Kiev and refocused on the east, I think it was just, we're just going to take this territory no matter what, but just for the sake of taking the lives it. of their allies. Yeah, they are drafting. They have draft. The Russians uh, don't have enough inf infantrymen. It's a long story about why they don't have enough infantry. They're trying to get more. And so they're basically drafting every person in Luhansk and Donetsk that they can get their hands on uh, between 16 and 60 and giving them an AK and throwing them into battle um, as an untrained infantryman. And that's how they're fighting the war. They're using the Luhansk people as- But they're also they're, bombing their houses. I mean- Cannon fodder, they're bombing their houses, everything. So the- all these casualties that you th we think that the, the Russians are taking in Luhansk, you know, yes, there are some Russian casualties, but a lot of them are the Luhansk people who have been given a rifle and, and sent forward. And I think what happens at the end is they just repopulate with Russians. I mean, you know, you know they think it was Russian to begin with. All the Luhanskians, all the men anyway, are dead. 
because they're feeding him into the maw. So they just, that's fine. We'll get, we'll get more Russians. We'll move Russians into there. You know, I think that's why it doesn't make sense, but it's a very Stalinist Russian way to think things. And I think that's, he's kind of gone full Stalinist. Isn't Russia in a population decline? Yeah, they are, especially the Russian part of Russia. Of course, the Russian Federation is a large number of independent um, or semi-independent, uh, you know, ethnic enclaves. And um, and the Russian parts, the, those who are Russian ethnically and linguistically, those are in a tremendous decline. So they're going to have a little trouble uh, filling. I, the I don't you know, I again, it, they should have made peace a long time ago. The United States is partially at fault for not making peace. I think uh, the US government, um, I think pushed uh, Zelensky to be more of a warmonger. Um, and I think, you know, we bear a lot of responsibility. We, the United States government rather, uh, bears a lot of responsibility for the disaster, which is this war. But, um, you know, obviously all of this horrific destruction um, you know, is laid squarely at Putin's uh, feet because he should have come to the negotiating table too. I mean, they were negotiating and now they're Are not. Are putting up stickers with his picture on the gas tanks now? Putin did I it? haven't seen any. I, of course, would never vandalize a gas pump with a, uh, I did that Joe Biden sticker. That would never occur to me. I would never do that. <laughs> um, um, but I have seen a bunch around here and, um, and I think uh, I've not seen the Putin did that uh, stickers, but maybe. Putin and the Russians were talking, were willing to negotiate months ago. It was Zelensky and the Biden administration that said no. Yeah, that's what I think I just said. Yeah, no, that's true. But now they've locked in. And of course, the gov our government, our, the government of the United States is not pushing negotiations, which it should. Um, but I don't blame Putin for not for not giving in now. I mean, it's it's like, you know, he Putin, the Russians are winning the war. I uh, mean, the time yeah, to negotiate was a couple of. months ago. It, yeah, I mean, certainly they you know, my are, are winning, but I mean, it's it's the Roman winning, right? They make a desert and call it peace. I mean, that that's how they're winning, and they're winning nothing. They're they're getting nothing. They're being completely ostracized from a lot of the world. Um, they have, uh, you know, their supply chain is just as screwed up as our supply chain because they rely not on Chinese parts, but on German parts because they don't trust the Chinese as they shouldn't because the Chinese are the chief enemy of all civilization and the Russians never trusted them. And so all of their machine tools, all their parts, all their uh, military is based entirely on German and Italian and French tools which they no longer have access to and it's just a complete uh it, it's a complete fiasco and i have no idea what putin is thinking i mean i think that he just wants to win because he wins he wants to win he because he, he wants to win and there's this theory that he's sick yeah, now that laser speaks russian maybe we should invite him on our podcast and ask him i think russian speaks perfect english he's spent years in germany as a kgb agent i'm sure he speaks perfect english he'd be I'm happy sure. to come on that. But I mean, the only question will be if he comes on, do we make him wear a shirt or not? The problem is, the problem is, Putin's goals, as he set out in the pre-February 24th, um, are no longer the official position of either Putin or the Russian government. That's the problem. So we can talk about what his goals were originally, and then we can talk about his goals like were when they pulled back from Kiev. 
and we can talk about what his goals are now. And his, you know, what he says is, um, we want, you know, we want basically NATO out of the former Soviet um, Union and all War Warsaw Pact states, and we want them, you know, under, you know, friendly to Russia under Russian political control. That's his current goal. Now, we're not going to get that, but, but he's going away from peace in his statements. You know, he could be like, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll take Luhansk and Donetsk and we'll and, and Crimea and we'll evacuate all the other territory. And Ukraine doesn't join NATO and um, Ukraine is friendly to Russia uh, with trade-wise, um, which is kind of... Um, you know, which is kind of something people should consider as a possible peace settlement. But he's gone so far beyond that. Is how do you get back? How do you want? I want half of Europe again. How do you get back from that? I, I don't see how you get back from that. So it's a it's a disaster. And I think there is a lot more nuance to it from the standpoint of Putin is a little nuts. I mean, the you know that's the thing about Hitler. He was crazy. It's not just the fact that he wasn't a particularly good military leader that lost. Germany, the Second World War, you know, independent of the genocide and all that. It, it's that he was nuts. And I think Putin is is nuts. So, Ed, where do you see this right now in terms of being a powder keg? If you did it on a one to 10 scale, where are we right now? So Ukraine is basically out of ammunition for all of its Soviet equipment. And Russia is running out of ammunition for all of its Soviet equipment. Because it's using so much artillery that they are basically uh, Russian troops went into Belarusia, uh, Belarus, and um, started confiscating all of the Belarusian armory, uh, you know, equipment and putting on trains and taking it back to Russia. Um, the United States and NATO is giving arm, giving NATO arms and ammunition to, um, uh, to Ukraine, but they've got to be trained up to use it. And so, one of the problems is they don't have enough. And, you know, obviously they're taking a lot of casualties. Um, but the NATO equipment and ammunition, if it could get to Ukraine in enough quantity, um, is so much better than the Soviet slash Russian equipment that were it to get to Ukraine in um, enough quantity, then they could begin a counteroffensive. But the problem is the United States is, you know, if, if we're going to, if, if the United States is going to back Ukraine, we should back Ukraine. If we aren't going to back Ukraine, we ought not to back Ukraine, right? The problem is we're nickeling diming. It's like, oh, here's a nickel, here's a dime, here's a nickel, here's a dime. Well, and dime how many billions more do we have to give them? It's not money, it's stuff. It's not money. The money is just going to go be wasted and, you know, corruption and end up in Swiss banks and whatnot. It's not money, it's stuff. They need ammunition. And they need assist, they need artillery and need tanks. The money to and buy ammunition. Ammunition. Well, some of it's going directly for that, obviously, but some is going to fund the operation of the Ukrainian government, which means you know corruption. I haven't read the bills, but I mean, usually, usually the way they the way they do this kind of foreign aid is they'll give them basically the US government will pay one of the defense contractors, and the defense contractor will then send the yeah. weaponry right there. I mean, is that not what happened here? I'm sure some of it is what's happened here, but the the it's it's not getting there in quantity. That's why they're losing. Now they made some incredible. Uh, uh, they 
there were some incredible strikes over the weekend that the Ukrainians made way deep into Russian territory, uh, Russian control territory, not uh, some in Russia, in, you know, Burdance, but um, where they they had they hit ammunition depots. And some of these pictures is like, holy crap, that was that's a real Fourth of July celebration there, like giant. You know, they hit this ammunition depot with giant mushroom cloud that reminiscent of a nuclear explosion. And the way, the reason they did it is they took these new um, artillery, rocket artillery systems that the United States has given them called HIMARS. They drive almost up to where the Russian troops are. They fire their missiles, which are guided, not unguided. Uh, and then they drive away. And the, where, the good thing about HIMARS is, you know, unlike most rocket artillery that just shoots rockets, you know, in a predictable pattern, the HIMARS, these, these rockets go up and they swerve and swerve and swerve. So the radars can't track back randomly. They swerve randomly. So that radars can't track back to where it was um, launched from. And just a few missiles, because they only have like nine of these, you know, just wiped out like five different huge ammunition storage sites for the Russians. Uh, so it's there's an interesting technical aspect to this war, which is, of course, what I'm interested in from a military perspective, um, that these American, uh, these American, this American equipment can really be used, especially by the Ukrainians who aren't bound by our idiotic bureaucracy um, in new and innovative ways to really stop, uh, um, you know, really hit the Russian logistics, which is where they're weakest. So uh, that's what happened over the weekend. And I, I'm sorry to, you know, take so much time on this, but it is fascinating I, to me anyway, uh, uh, how this war is going. Um, but as far as the United States is concerned, we have way bigger problems um, than the war in Ukraine. You know, we have the currency crisis, we have the China problem. You know, I, I just want to say something about the currency crisis. I don't know how we haven't talked about it on this show in a couple of weeks, but the U.S. dollar continues to strengthen. All, notwithstanding all of the inflation that we're dealing with at home, the rest of the world is dealing with even worse inflation. And the yen almost crashed about two weeks ago, and it's still teetering. The euro is at lows. The pound is not doing well against the dollar. Uh, even gold, which you would think is, it would reflect inflation and would, would be going up, gold has been tanking. And yeah. I mean, I just, I looked before the show and it's down again today. Um, I, I think the currency crisis is real, but I think it's going to come from foreign countries. I mean, we're, we're the process it, this sort of reminds me of what happened in 1928 when the Fed started raising interest rates and all of the world's capital got sucked into the U.S. And Everybody believes the U.S. is it's the flight to safety. The U.S. is safe. Right. They don't know what we know. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they don't know. But what it's they creating do. problems around the world, though. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. I think that's putting it's going to it's creating a gigantic strain in foreign countries and. Something is going to give. I mean, there's a there's a a large a huge stress in the fin world financial system, and it's I don't know where it's going to break, but it's going to break. And yeah, it's I mean, I, I followed for many years Peter Schiff, who, who correctly predicted the mortgage crisis. I like Peter Schiff; he's a good libertarian. He's he's my guy, but he has been wrong every single time when it comes to 
the U.S. currency crisis because he doesn't understand that people flee to what they consider safety. They consider the United States safety. The five of us, plus Peter Schiff, if we could get him come on, would say the United States isn't safe. You should never do that. Uh, but nobody, nobody knows that. It's and not so- just the flight to safety, though, Ed. It's the fact that the system creates the the dollar as the world reserve currency, and yeah. so people and, and and contracts, particularly the Kissinger petrodollar contracts, right? Oil is traded in dollars. There's this gigantic demand for dollars around the globe. Yes, but the thing is, and again, I'm sorry to go on about this. Is like when Saudi and and Iran want to do um, deals in one, you know, renminbi, the currency of China, the way China's capital controls work are that, and and they're kind of similar, you know, I mean, they're somewhat similar the way the United States works in the sense that we're run by criminals too. But the way you do that is Saudi Arabia takes out a, a bank account in China in Beijing, in some big bank, and they do their trading there. If if they have a if they have a positive account balance, um, they buy things in China with their yuan and have them shipped to Saudi Arabia. The idea that they would say, "Oh, well, let's take this one out of our country, out of China, and put it in our banks," you know, and hold hold it as reserves. Uh, or hold it, uh, the Chinese don't do that. And the reason they don't do that because there's the oligarchs in China and there's the peasants in China and there's this huge middle class in China, bigger than the United States. And every single one of them, if they could take their money out of China would leave. And whether they could leave to South America or Canada or the United States or what they'd all leave because none of them trust their government. The government doesn't have trust. Now we don't trust our government because we think they're a bunch of criminals and the FBI is a Gestapo and whatnot. But as a general rule, my life is kind of nice, you know? I mean, I kind of don't want to leave and I think we can fix things potentially and and you guys have nice lives. And, you know, so it's not, we're not China. Um, the United States is still a lot better than China in a lot of ways, even if our government is a corrupt bunch of moron, senile pedophiles. Um, but... I think that middle class in China would leave in a heartbeat if the yuan would be convertible. And the only way the yuan will be a, a world reserve currency is if they do that and they know they can't. Right. And they won't do it. Right. right. But that's part of why. It's the, the same thing with the ruble. The ruble is extremely strong because like what, what's a GDP, right? It's, you know, stuff you produce plus, uh, you know, all the sum of goods and services plus government spending uh plus uh, imports, plus exports minus imports or something like that. There's some formula for GDP. Well, the Russians aren't doing any exporting anymore. So their GDP is going up and they've, they've, tied, it to, uh, they've tied it to oil and gold or whatever, but they won't give you any, any gold. You know, they'll give you oil if you'll take it, but they won't give you any gold. So the ruble is strong, but it isn't really strong because there's nothing to buy. At least vloggers I see in Russia, there's, there's nothing to buy in Russia anymore because well, the they were importing all their, the their whole economy was gold. their whole economy was sell oil, get stuff. Now they're not getting stuff. They don't kind of want to get stuff from China because they're not fools. They they will eventually because they've got to have some stuff. But you know the ruble is strong because everybody holds them and nope, there's nothing to buy. These malls are the empty. The ruble is strong because the Russian government is hoarding gold. It's buying gold and it's 
backing its currency with gold. It's not backing its currency gold. It's saying it's backing its currency for, with gold, but you cannot take a ruble and go into a bank and get gold for it. So you can get oil for it, but you can't get gold. And so it's, um, it, it, it's, 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 if you have a bunch of rubles and they're worth like, you know, whatever they're worth, but you can't buy anything because there's nothing to buy. What does it mean for that currency to be quote unquote strong? So it's, it's one of the reasons why I think, you know, if a war ever should break out over Taiwan and the U.S. gets involved, you know, I, I think it's going to be such a shock to the United States because of all the stuff that we normally buy from China will no longer be available. And I think it's going to be a shock to the Chinese, too, because all those people in China who produce stuff to sell to the West, assuming the Europeans are kind of with us on the China thing, um, they're all out of job. You know, 200 million people in China out of a job tomorrow. That's more concentration camps. China's yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not saying that the Chinese are good. I'm saying that the regime exists there because the people trust it, just like the regime exists here because you know the people trust it. You don't trust it, I don't trust it, Mike, Gina, and Steve don't trust it, maybe our listeners don't trust it, but generally speaking, the people trust our regime in the United States. And the same thing with China, although there's some sort of religious aspect of being you know, divinely ordained. The reason the Chinese, Chinese regime survives is because they've promised prosperity and they've so far delivered it for right. the last 40 years. And if they get into a damn war not. about the United States, if they get into a damn war with the United States over Taiwan, they are going to lose that prosperity. We're going to lose our prosperity, but they're definitely going to lose their prosperity. They might get Taiwan just like the Russians have gotten Luhansk. That is desert. If that's what they want because they're nuts and they want 200 million unemployed, smart unemployed people who are not too happy, then they should, you know, they should attack Taiwan. Um, but if not, we should just kind of cool it and get our rhetoric down and cool it and let the status quo go for another 50 years. So I'm dead and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Um, because I think it would, I think, you know, the United States would not survive as is if we get into war with China, but neither would China. And I, I think so the, uh, this whole saber rattling on their part and to a certain extent on our part has got to stop if we're going to have a civilization. I not only don't think we have 50 years before they invade, I don't even think we have 50 weeks. We might not have 50 days. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I, I, I know she probably wants to. I mean, I think the, the you know, the leaked documents uh, that we saw that I posted on the, on the um, chat uh, show that, you know, they're getting ready for this year or next year or whatever. I don't know whether that's actually going to happen because just because to prepare for something. I mean, you know what it took to do Overlord, right? Which is 25 miles, you know, a million men, 25 miles. Um, this is over a hundred miles. The English Channel was not contested. The Taiwan Strait will be contested. Uh, the Taiwanese are not dumb. They have all the weapons, you know, for shooting down boats and planes and whatnot. Um, to prepare for an overlord-like thing on the Taiwan Strait would require an enormous preparation that would be seen by satellites. I mean, they had whole fake armies in World War II to fool the German spotter planes. Well, there's no fooling nowadays. We will see all these troops, all the buildup, all the boats, all the airplanes, all the helicopters. We will see it. 
when it's going on. And the Germans were never able to do that. And they've got to do it over 25 miles. And it's contested. What happens if we have a a Chinese spy in the White House? Um, Well, I think we had a Chinese spy in the White House. Things might go bad. But I I think we have a a Chinese spy who's completely demented. (laughs) Doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, he's not not a Chinese spy. He's sort of owned by China from a financial perspective. But that doesn't mean he's, you know, an, an agent like Harry Hopkins was. You know, he's not he's not an agent of China. He's a. You know, he might be an agent of influence, but he's not like a s- secret agent of China. So I don't know. Who knows? Yes. Have, not having a person as president of the United States makes things worse. And having think, someone who's even Biden less a human up, being as vice president. Biden would sell out the United States and its military for a dollar. Yeah, but the military wouldn't. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. You know, the military wouldn't. Right. Do- the military wouldn't take in, you know, w- you know, wouldn't have pregnant women going into battle and it wouldn't have. I mean, there's a million things that the military, I wouldn't yeah, have thought yeah. that they would do, but they're doing. But yeah, but see, that's the sort of long-term march through the institutions type of cultural Marxism. They want, they, you know, the president in principle could say, could issue general order two tomorrow, everybody go home. I'm dissolving the army. That's my order. But he doesn't do that, right? What they do is they is, is the long march type of way. They want to destroy the military by reducing standards, you know, all of these stupid things like allowing pregnant men to fight or what it doesn't make any sense or maybe sending troops to ukraine to protect ukraine while china is left to invade taiwan uh, yeah and that's one of the reasons why we absolutely positively should not send any troops to ukraine at all um because that you know leaves Ta- or you know we can just throw taiwan under the bus like we did in 1973 or whenever it was we threw them under the bus the first time 73 I mean, the obvious problem is that they produce almost all of the chips that we consume. And, uh, you know, like I said the other day, you know, we should make our explicit policies. Like these are Taiwan's strongest economic um, things. They have these factories, fabs, they fabricate things. They, they do this, they produce this, they produce that. These are all of the really valuable things in Taiwan. And we are going to destroy every single one of them down to the ground. If China invades, it's, it's the way the Scottish took care of the English when uh, the English invaded. They just burn everything to the ground, their own stuff. They burned it to the ground. So the English had nothing to conquer. And I think the Chinese are not as stupid as Putin. And if we made that threat and made it realistically, I think that would really help make China realize that if they want, you know, a burned down husk of a of a ground, you know, of, of, of desert made peace, then they're, they can probably have it, but they aren't getting the fabs. They aren't getting the chips. They aren't getting any of that. And that's, you know, that would be my position as if, if I were the United States. And, and that should be the Taiwanese position too. I don't know whether they have the fight in them that the Scots did against the English. Sorry for talking. We should, we should go. Folks, let's wrap up. Um, there is one good news. I'll do my good news. To talk about. Alex Berenson, who is a journalist and who's red-pilled on the virus and shots, was banned from Twitter for um, saying things that the FDA didn't agree with. He took Twitter to court in California and luckily got a decent judge. That judge uh, did not allow Twitter's motion to dismiss 
And with, they went to discovery. His discovery requests were awesome, by the way. Um, so Twitter folded, and he now has his, his account back uh, where he can spread anti-vax propaganda. Um, that would be at Alex Berenson, S-O-N, on Twitter. You don't want to subscribe to Alex Berenson because you'll get anti-vax propaganda, but he's now back on Twitter uh, because he he beat Twitter in a California court. I've never heard anything so good in my entire life. My understanding about that case, though, Ed, is that he promised his supporters that he would never settle. And that without discovery, he said he promised never to settle without discovery. So I don't know what's going on. There's a discovery hearing still um, uh, the end of this month. So we don't know what's going to go on. He won't say because he's bound by confidentiality. He was taking some hits, obviously, some from some political enemies about the fact that he did settle because he had been asking for money for people to fight that case. Um, Yep. Not a good not a good look. Put it that way. It's the first chink in the armor of big tech in the legal sense. So good, good for him anyway. True. True. We will take those victories. Okay. Mike, anything you didn't get to talk about? No. Rock on, man. Go ahead, Ed. This Lane Maxwell is going to jail, but we still don't know who the who the men were that raped all these girls. And yeah, you never know why know. she's going to jail, really. Why was she back in the United States at all to be arrested? There's something about this that makes no sense. Why wouldn't she flee to a foreign country to escape? Arrest? Yeah, I never understood why she would go to New Hampshire. Yeah, I don't. There's all sorts of things in this that we think we know that we don't know. Something's going on. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and we never will, folks. I know I hear all this talk about, you know, Roe v. Wade and protecting women, but I don't hear a single one of those people demanding prosecutions or, or the names of the men that that did what, you know, that that abused all these women, these underage girls. And the fact that they're girls is maybe the reason because uh, there was there are more and more and more tweets. There was one tweet thread a friend sent me today. Uh, trying to normalize uh, adult teenage uh, sex, same sex um, activities. Um, so maybe it's the fact that it's heterosexual uh, adult teenage sex that uh, got Maxwell in trouble. If if she was peddling boys to these people, we probably would never have heard of that. Certainly if it had been Congress in Congress. The Republicans in Congress, the Democrats like girls, the Republicans like boys. Oh, boy. Okay. Anything else, folks? I think we can leave it there. Going once, going twice. We will be on next week on Friday instead of on Wednesday, Friday at 4 o'clock on July 15th. Um, And we thank everyone for being here. And we will be up as a podcast very shortly. Thank you very, very much.